I need everybody to stop what you're doing right now. Even if you're in traffic, I don't care. You can just listen to it. But you need to search for Ghetto Monkey Eats Bananas. I keep meaning to bring this up, <laughs> and I haven't brought it up yet. And this is like internet gold. This is the only thing that really makes me laugh anymore when I'm like searching on uh, online or going to YouTube or something like that. And we reference it so much in the shop when we're uh, telling each other thanks and everything like that. But uh, tonight, we have two of the people who have had the biggest impact on my long range precision shooting career. Um, and a big thank you to these guys, but we'll get this started. This is Mike from Mile High Shooting. And Frank from Sniper's Hide. And you're listening to the Everyday Sniper. Tonight we Everyday have Adam Rehor here, our head gunsmith, our shop foreman. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you my Adam story real quick. <laughs> so approximately four years ago, started working here at Mile High. Came from the DOD on the on the DFAS side, or the, uh, the Department of the Air Force side. And... Um, I was looking at other options, but this option came available and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try this out and got here and everything is going well and <clears throat> I'd gone into the back I started in sales and I gone into the back and I was talking to Adam and I was like, okay What do I need to know about this? What do I need to know about this? And uh, he goes Well, what does it matter? You're gonna be gone in two weeks anyways Because <laughs> of the turnaround rate is so high and I didn't understand it at first and I was like man this guy's a dick and then I was like, but he's my kind of dick. I like this guy. So I told him, I was like, well, while I'm here for the next two weeks, is there anything you want to show me? <laughs> so, and, and it's hard sometimes to uh, get a base knowledge, you know, like where do you stand? Obviously, you'd been in guns and, and had worked with many different platforms, but the precision rifle world, there are so many things. Oh, it's totally different. That it's it's. You know, like we've had guys that come in here that have been in the gun industry for six, seven, eight, ten, twelve years, you know, and then they're like, uh, like a cheap suit. I have no idea <laughs> what I'm what what I need to do right now. You know, yeah. it's just like you we get so many calls that are technical question based. You know, it's like, hey, it's not uh, do I need the brown suit or do I need the black suit? This is what I'm doing. Right. It's not. It, there's just it's so. shoelace color, man. Would you say like, today? I was on the phone earlier, and you were like, "Dude, you have like the patience of concrete or something." Yeah, the like saint. That. No, man. Yeah, patience of a saint. Because I was like, to, I was like, "How can you guys?" I'm listening to your phone conversation. And this guy's asking this question that I know has to come in a thousand times a day. Oh yeah. And I was just like. Oh my god! And you were being like so nice to this guy, and you're repeating yourself. That's the bitch, because you're sitting. I'm I'm sitting back, and I'm watching you repeat yourself four times. Yeah, that's to let you know the mag's empty. Yeah, that's to let you know the mag's empty. Yeah, it's supposed to be that way. Did you put this in that mag? Yes, you did. Okay. Well, we know that has some issues and needs some fitment. Okay. But yeah, that's to let you know that the mag's empty. Yeah, that's the, and, and you and the guy's asking and asking, and you're just answering them like. He, you know, you were solving a world problem with a question. I would have been like, "Dude, fucking leave me alone. Get oh, go, go go on the internet." No, we can't do that. Man. I know you Everyone guys can't. Starts I, somewhere. Well, Everyone I, starts. I've somewhere. told Diane about at least a thousand times that if I worked here, I would be fired in a week. You know, <laughs> so I you could, wouldn't last two weeks. No, I wouldn't last. Two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I would not last two weeks working at Mile High. Totally. So Adam is my mentor, shooting partner. He's taught basically taught me everything I need to know. And I've gone off and done some stuff on my own, but I've got my solid baseline from Adam, and we're lucky to have him here with us today. And Adam himself is a very, very young, accomplished gunsmith, 
and I want to talk about things that and you shooter too and shooter Adam's very a hammer very accomplished shooter yeah and uh, besides your stunning good looks and your and your big warm hugs in the morning yeah um, what are you bringing to the table at Mile High so <clears throat> with uh, well you start off man I I do anything from uh, put toilet paper on the roll to <laughs> to uh, uh, my job you know so. Um, you see that toilet paper roll, all of a sudden it's full. Adam was there, you know what I'm saying? Was like, totally I, was, I was right there. And if now, the seat's warmed up. <laughs> and if it's warm. Hey, man, I, I, I'm I'm full service. <laughs> I'll help you out however you want help, you know? So, uh, no, man. So, um, what, what I do is, along with being in the shop with all the gunsmiths, what we do is line up work, right? So we have... We have multiple gunsmiths in the shop. We have Lorenzo, we have Luke, we have Fritz, we have Logan, okay? <clears throat> and we also have Doug. Doug also, he comes in and helps us with uh, just base, basic machining, right? So Doug's, Doug's been in the, the industry for many, many years on uh, uh, making and machining and doing multiple things right he he can machine or make whatever you want you know that that's what he done for 30 years at coors is he, it's a he joke can, around here that he kind of has a metal eraser as well yeah man he like oh that's wrong i'll just weld that shut <laughs> and i'll face it off and we'll clean it up polish it and paint it and you won't even know that there was ever anything that was wrong with that yeah Right, so he taught. I mean, he can weld anything. He can machine anything, man. Like most gunsmiths that I know, it's like, uh, oh, I need to turn the head on that, or I need to move the head sideways, or tilt it this direction to machine this. Uh, it takes too long to set everything back up. And Doug's like, yeah, I'll do that real quick. Here, he sets everything up, tilts the head, machines it, lines it back up, dials the head back in, so that our our mill is back in in good shape for anybody else to use it. Because you have, you know, two mills here, and we have uh, four gunsmiths all the time just using it. Right? And you're in charge of all those guys. Yeah, so basically I, I align all the work. So you we have multiple orders come in. You know, we get five, six orders, whatever, and two. We've had two a days. lot lately. We've had a lot of orders coming in lately. So um, make sure that we're not missing anything. Kind of set it up. And then, like, hey, Logan's on the CNC. So whatever we can do to have him at a high production rate. So it's like, okay, well, we have, uh, you know, TL3 barrels. Uh, I'm sorry, Bighorn TL3 barrels, right? We have the spec so we can we can turn a TL3 barrel without having the action in hand. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so, okay, well, I need a 6.5 PRC. I need a 6.5 SOM. I need a 6.5 Creedmoor. I need a 6 Creedmoor, 6 by 47, 308, whatever you want. You know, and these guys order a whole bunch of different things because everybody wants something different. I give that right to Logan because he can machine that on the CNC very fast, very quick, turn it out, and then get it to the customer. And he's very turnaround. meticulous on very his work. He's been doing barrels for me. It's fantastic stuff. I just gave the Tika Attack A1 to you guys. You did the other Tika for me. You've done my AI barrels yep. for a while. The, the guys here do a fantastic job. That um that that Tika the the original T3X and then we swapped it out for the the barrel the Bartland you guys had I pulled off the shelf, handed it over to Logan and stuff it got fired up I think Larry might have done the, the Tika work the threading and all but mm -hmm. uh, uh, 
Lorenzo. The, yeah, yeah. He's talking hey, about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, call him, we call him Larry in the yeah. shop we, sometimes. We, we, had, we already had a Larry working here when he came to, to visit us. And the running joke is nobody wants to say Lorenzo all day long, so we just call him Larry. Yes, anyway. So it was just easier. <laughs> it was easier. It kind of stuck, too. It, and it, uh. it, it, I'll tell you what, man. The rifles that have been coming out of here for me and the barrel work you guys have been doing have been fantastic and, you know, spot on. And it's just mm-hmm. for convenience... I find I default coming into the shop and just yeah. pulling stuff off the shelf and giving it to the guys because yeah. it's so good. <clears throat> and and one of the things that, that I think kind of sets us apart, and, and I'm sure that the, everybody kind of has their own way, right? And I know this for a fact. I've been around multiple gunsmiths um, and like, hey, well, I like to dial my barrel in this way. It's the best way. It's the only way. Okay. Well... You know, we have our, our ways that we like to machine barrels, yep. right? Everybody kind of has their own system, especially in their shop. If they only run CNCs or if they only have manual lathes, then they dial in barrels and set them up a particular way. Right. Right? <clears throat> Sometimes with a blank, you know, whether it's not giving – it may not give you the results that you want. Okay? So uh, you dial the barrel in and then you're starting to see you run out in the freeboard or run out at the crown or something where where you don't want to see it okay well let's dial it in a different way you know and I know there's a lot of guys out there that do cheaper gunsmithing than we do there's there's no doubt you know we, we get it all the time it's like well I can't afford your shop rates that's fine because there, I know there's guys that they're like hey I just go off of centers hold it in the you know in a three jaw and just hope for the best I have a floating reamer holder it's good I can chamber a barrel in two hours, you know, no, no problem. Thread it, chamber it, do the muzzle, everything. Here's the thing about finding a gunsmith, guys, and maybe this will help you on your, on your journey out there, is there's people who do this for a living and there's people who do this on the side. So you have your guys that may be charging less, but they're turning your barrel in their basement and they're charging you $75 to thread. If you come to, come to us, my guys aren't practicing on your barrels. Yeah. No. Well, it, you know what sold it to me for you guys a lot, like when when the when when it sort of solidified in the back there with your gunsmiths, the proof stuff you do, because if you read online, if you talk to some people, they hate the proofs. Proofs aren't this. Proofs aren't that. And I sampled all your guys back there at some point or another, because you do so many proof barrels. Yep. And it's like, do you have do you have drama with them? Do you have this? And it's like, no. You have to set them up different. You have to do this. You have to do that. But they, they explained through and they just didn't say, well, screw a proof barrel. It doesn't work. I don't like it. It's all this. You know why? It needs a little more work. It needs a little more effort to put it into the machines to get it to work right because of the way the carbon fiber is. These guys just went right in, both feet in, did it right, go through it, and they're knocking out proof barrels like it's going out of style where 95 of the guys online out there are complaining about and they don't want to do a proof. Right. You know, and, and that's exactly right is, you know, sometimes it, when you grab a barrel and try to dial it in, it, it's very easy to manipulate a barrel uh, and you don't even know it. You're actually putting stress on that mm-hmm. blank and you don't even know it. Yep. So then you're inducing stress into the, the machining and you have more run out and you have oversized chambers and you just have problems. Right. So everything that we do here it's a team effort so if we see something that we don't like or uh something's happening that that maybe we hadn't even seen before something like that we get surprised all the time so 
It's like, hey, Logan, come here. Take a look at this. Have you seen this before? How do we need to fix this? How do we need to get the best results out of this barrel? You know, and and luckily we deal with a lot of high or very good components. It's high end stuff, right? right. You yeah. know, like you you have proofs and you have bar lines, you have shillings. I mean, most custom barrels nowadays are very good, but every once in a while, I mean, there's there's just stuff that happens. You know, yeah, you it's get just, a lemon. It's yeah, just I like mean, when you it, buy vehicles, it, the same thing. You know, and it, everybody has a Monday and a Friday. You know, man, hey, I broke up with my girlfriend, and I have I had a horrible weekend. And you're thinking about other things when you're working, you know. I got a so, new girlfriend today. Perfect. <laughs> <Yeah, yeah. laughs> <laughs> Definitely out of your age range. <laughs> but we're the same height. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, I don't think your mom was thrilled about hearing that. But not super thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> no, but these guys, these guys do a great job, man. I come back here and I see it. And, and I have options, you know what I mean? I could go anywhere. I wouldn't hurt these guys' feelings if they found out I was getting barrels or something done somewhere else. But I come here now, and for the last, you know, more than a year, I've been just religiously having these guys do all my barrel work. And, and you've done at least five for me in the last, you know, bit. And they've all performed flawlessly. Yeah. So, so we're not just working on precision rifles here as far as bolt actions are concerned. We got Luke as well. Yeah, so... Um, Luke came from GA Precision. He was there, I think, for... Logan did, too. Yeah. yeah a lot Logan of gap guys here. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll talk about Luke real quick, just for the fact that he came from GA. I think he was there for eight years, nine years, I think years, it was eight like when, yeah, when he was talking. The flounder. Oh, him almost, and Flounder doing yeah. ARs. Yeah. He put together, I don't know, 500 gap 10s, something like that, you know? So... When it comes to a gas gun, I you know I don't say I know everything about a gas gun. I don't know, you know like hey I there's certain things I do know, but I do know that Luke is our resident gas gun uh, specialist. I'm gonna have him look at it. You know like he he has more knowledge on that that platform than anybody yep. here. You probably take all the rest of us, put us together, and it'll maybe equal what he knows. You know so we just take it to him. Luke here, check out your gas gun. Let's do this. Yep. You know. Um, problem solving, you know, uh, Logan is extremely, uh, focused and he can pick out little problems like, oh, well, you know, there's a, there was a chip in the bottom of the bedding that was binding on the, the recoil lug. I was like, oh, I didn't even see that. Yeah. He's you know? very detail oriented. Very, very detail oriented, you know, and it's just like, oh, well, here's your problem. This is grinding. You know, I was like, man, I remember before Luke was here, Logan and I were looking at this AR and wouldn't lock open. You know, just kept the bolt would shut. And it was like, man, there's enough gas here. I know, you know, but that bolt just kept overriding the mag latch. Well, come to find out there wasn't enough room between the, the, basically the buffer bottoming out with the back of the bolt and the mag latch coming up. So what would happen is the, the bolt would bottom out and move forward before the spring pressure could push the bolt stop up in the AR and let the, the catch the bolt back it would just slam sh slam back and then ram forward before the bolt stop to get there he's like yeah well, that's it you know it took him like 20 minutes where it took me a day of looking at it before that you <laughs> right. know and he's like oh there, there's a problem you know it's like oh okay cool took a little bit off of the the uh that was on a jp silent capture with that that delarin spacer in the back or whatever material it is but took a little bit off of that and it wasn't much you know it was probably like hundred thousands or something Boom. Ran like a champ, never had another problem. Right? Uh, 
Fritz. Fritz has been with us a couple of years now, and he he's been a he's a Colorado native. He's a local he, hero around oh, here yeah. for building rifles for guys. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he would. I man, yeah, I, was I get excited. people that come into the showroom that are upset because they have to drive further now. Oh yeah, they're like, oh dude, he's built me like ten rifles or whatever. Yeah, but now I got to drive further out of you know yep. Saudi Aurora down there and, <laughs> yeah. and come up here. So mm-hmm. yeah, I was excited, man, when I when uh, I heard that he was he was wanting to build precision rifles because that's what he enjoyed at his old shop. He didn't get to do just precision rifles. He had a base for that, you know, because mm-hmm. that's what he liked to do. So he would talk to people. He was a gunsmith. He's like, man, I'll chamber up your stuff. I'll do this. I'll do that, you know. Well, and he's a shooter too. <clears throat> and he's mm-hmm. a shooter, uh, and he that's where a lot of his business came from. He'd go and shoot, you know, and and uh beat a lot of these guys and they're like man who built your gun you know start asking questions and then he built up a very big clientele i think he was there for 12 years 12 years yeah yeah so um then he's like i just want to build precision rifles i want to kind of focus down on one thing that i want to do really well and that's what he's been doing here for us is he he's like man i just want to uh come in and build precision guns we're like we can do that we got plenty of work for you Come on in. He got a brand new Sharp 1340. 1440 is what it ended up being. It was a 1440 VS. Um, man, we, we set him up good, and he just he knocks out rifles all the time, man. He does. A lot of a lot of his customers come to us now. And, and kind of the same thing. You know, he used to be cheaper at his shop, and now that he's here, you know, we have a bigger shop. We have more overhead more overhead you know things like that but it's like when we talk about good bad shooters yeah you have bad equipment you struggle your way through it and all of a sudden you get something that's real nice you're like oh i can do this all day now yeah exactly it's just like it's 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 that zen moment everything comes into play and it all just starts putting them in one hole like you want it to you know so no these guys are these guys are squared away here and, and adam runs the show and, and, and has for a long time at Mile High, and they, they do a great job. So you got a bench rest background. Yeah. You yeah. worked at a speedy. couple of you worked at a couple a speedy of different disciple. Yeah, yeah, a couple of different uh, manufacturers as well before you got to Mile High. <clears throat> yeah, so I, I worked at, at Stiller Precision Firearms, Jerry Stiller and uh, um, Curtis Helton. They 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 ran uh, Stiller Precision Firearms when I was there, mm-hmm. um, and Jerry now Curtis is Curtis. No, no, it's, it's different curves. Different curves. Okay. Yeah, different. I didn't different. Know. So actually, Jerry was a defense engineer. He worked at Raytheon. Yeah, I knew Jerry. He, he built all sorts of crazy rockets and stuff. He had stuff hanging up in the shop. You know, he's like, oh yeah, the the fins and everything pop out of this one as soon as it comes out of the tube. He did, he helped design a lot of that nice. stuff. Nice. And Curtis, he was a uh, he was a master machinist at Raytheon. Okay. And uh, Jerry, kind of a quick funny story. I'll I'll interject, but. Um, he wanted a on-the-shelf action. How come? How come he was a bench rest shooter? And and him and Speedy were talking one day. They're like, how come? How come I don't have a? I can't just buy a sh- an action off the shelf. This is ridiculous. I will just make my own actions. And he made the the Stiller. He made the Stiller. <laughs> yeah, man. Right. He made the yep. he made the Stiller Viper. Right, kind of like an AW man. It's a flat bo- bottom action. Has a lock ring, steel lock ring. The action's aluminum, anodized. Uh, steel bolt made his own bolts and stuff and, and that didn't work out so well for him he never had an action on the shelf because they're like hey i want this hey i need this i need that i need this you know he just was keeping you know back orders kind of filled you know so and then curtis wanted the 700 clone and that that really took off for him mm-hmm. and, and, i have a stiller chlamydia action <laughs> <laughs> 
Dude, what was that thing about super gonorrhea that you were preaching about earlier? <laughs> yeah, I saw today some guy got super gonorrhea in Asia. I was like, oh, fuck. You know? <laughs> <laughs> super gonorrhea is out there, man. Frank's like, I was in Asia. Yeah. Long time ago. What I said was the, the, the girl who he got the super gonorrhea from, her mom, I knew. <laughs> so maybe me and her mom might have come up. So I knew her mom. Right. So maybe I was a, a contributor to Super Gonorrhea. You never know. You never know. It's in the genes. <laughs> yeah, man. it's in the genes, man. Uh, so, uh, anyways, yeah, I, I worked for, for Stiller. That was awesome, man. I got to learn a lot about receivers and, and uh, uh, machining and things like that. You know, I... I went through gunsmithing school for two years. I went to Trinidad. Uh, and luckily for me, Speedy Gonzalez was down there for a lot of you guys that don't or have not heard of him. He's like one of 13 guys in the Bentrest Hall of Fame. Um, it's extremely hard to get there. Um, that's why there's only 13 people. <laughs> yeah, in there, you know? yeah. Speedy's uh, a legend, man. Yeah, uh, he, he, he built a ton of guns over the years. And, and I just was extremely fortunate that he was down there and he seen that had a good work ethic and, and stuff, you know. And, but, uh, that, that, you know, to get into gunsmith, that's an important point. Because we're all shooting tactical, shooting the ARs. We're doing a lot of stuff, tactical rifles. We're out in the field, and we're using field guns. When you get a guy who comes from the bench rust world, they tend to try to do bench rust stuff that doesn't always apply to a field rifle. Mm -hmm. And you never, at least I haven't seen it, and I don't know at what point you kind of figured this out. But you've learned that, you know... Yes, I can do these these accuracy things, but I have to do it in a field gun application. And if I go too too towards the bench rest, then you get into problems where they don't function. Right. When they get dirty and nasty and things like that beyond the triggers, you know. So th that's a, a a huge distinction in because I'll read all the time. Oh, my gunsmith comes from the bench rest world. I he he won the bench rest record. Yeah, but that doesn't always translate to a field rifle. That's correct. Yeah. You know, when, so you're cross pollinating. Yeah, stitching, he's totally cross stitching stuff together and going uh, yeah. okay, but still getting that accuracy and reliability. And I think that's mm -hmm. an important part when someone's choosing a gunsmith to understand. Just because right. he has a certain pedigree, if you're going into this type of shooting, that pedigree doesn't always translate, and those people have to be able to apply. The, 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 the um, techniques for a field rifle with that bench rest knowledge and not just go and say, this rifle will win a bench rest match. Okay, but how's it going to do in the dirt and the sand and the wind and all yeah. that crap? Horrible. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's, and that's yeah. a big part of it so that I think you guys cracked that nut really well that you right. figured out to take these best practices and put them into a field rifle and have that rifle perform have it be optimal accuracy, and, and by that, it's, you know, it's one-hole guns. You guys regularly throw them in one hole and stuff that you're doing, but still with the dirt, the dust, and debris, work. That's right. Yeah, and, and it's not easy. I mean, like... Uh, well, I if can, it was I can, easy, everyone would right, do it, Right, exactly. Man. I mean, we, we've, like I said, we're a team, so we've worked a lot, you know, like, hey, this, this works, this does not, right? You know, and I like to use a lot of my own stuff as... as test test you know like hey well let's let's try this just throw it on my ai or throw it on my 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 stiller or whatever you know or let, let's let's try this mm -hmm. right um 
sometimes it works really good, sometimes it doesn't, you know. But it's nice to have that platform where we can we can kind of test those things. And we found out a lot of things, you know, like most of the time you want, not most, all the time, you want that chamber as good as you can make it. Right. Right. I mean, that that a lot of that stuff revolves around the, the chamber and dialing that barrel in and getting it so that it is perfect. You know, and I know that we have a lot of premier products today. Man, you grab you grab almost any barrel off the shelf. You know, they're 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 all hand lapped. You know, they're they're cut rifle. Even if they're button rifle, they're all stress relief. They, the the button rifle guys know. I have to keep up with cut rifle barrels, right? right. They've yeah. figured out how to take all the stress out. You know, and, and still make them shoot extremely well. You know, uh, so. By taking those those great products, you know, and then you put a good, great chamber in that barrel, you're setting yourself up for success. You know, we're this game's all about consistency, mm-hmm. right? If man, I, how many times have you guys heard that? Yeah, right. <laughs> if you can make your gun do the same thing the same way every single time, that's what this is about. So if and the we biggest, can do that for you, that's, that's what we're going to do. The biggest question that people get to kind of segue in and talk about this is, you know, I think a lot of people skip over the barrel part of it. I mean, they know the, the, the name brands and the big thing, but it's it's it takes more than just getting a Bartlin off the shelf. You have to have somebody who can spin it up well, which you're talking about. But everybody wants to know about action. Action A or action B. Action mm-hmm. C or action D. And there's so many actions that I mean, to me, really, it's 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 much bigger cosmetic. But what are you seeing successful in the action side of thing? Where are you? Where do you tend to put more of your weight? And beyond the AIs, because with the AIs, we know where that action stands. Mm-hmm. We we know we're just doing like it's all barrel. Yeah, for we'll that. jump around. We'll come back to yeah. that AI stuff. Right, but the as AI far as the actions, actions, the custom actions. We got the the top guys out there, right? So we got Surgeon, we got Defiance, we've got Big Horn. Where, you know, a lot of people, most questions I get are, well, what's the big difference between these guys and those guys? And then we have even some uh, trued up Remingtons that are lying around somewhere. And, you know, some guys want to do those too. So what is the big difference between all that stuff? It never fails. A a new one is announced. It just looks sort of cosmetically different from the last one they announced. And yet everybody's jumping. Oh, what about this? What about this? And so two lugs, three lugs. Yeah, Mm -hmm. talk actions. Right. So, I mean, Defiance, that, that's a huge one right now. I mean, there's there's a ton of guys running Defiance actions. Uh, they're a great action. Glenn Harrison's been doing this for years and years. He was in the Sega Bay when it was in Washington. Um, great machinist. You know, he knows how to make actions. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's done it multiple under multiple different names as far as building up an action company and selling it and starting another one. Um the, the TL yeah big you. Bighorns is next man so Bighorn is it they're coming on strong they're a they're a solid action I love the TL three mm-hmm. um, it, it's the action is built very good um, they are making sure that their headspace falls in a certain tolerance right so that allows a, a company like us to say hey I'm gonna grab five six five barrels I'm gonna grab five 
uh, six mil barrels and we're going to make 10 on the shelf ready to go barrels or barrel to actions, however you want to do it. But we can, we can basically spin it up without even having to action. Without even looking at it. Right. Because you know the consistency's there with AJ and all the work and Zermatt's And that's where your Zermatt. money's going. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, they're spending a lot more time machining these things and making them perfect for you. So there's no guesswork involved. It's mm -hmm. plug and play where there are some actions that are out there where they can make, you know, seven of them in 10 minutes and then, you know, you got to go and face it. You're got to yeah, go work yeah. on it. So like you... a Remington 700. I can we I mean, we can make a 700 shoot extremely good. I mean, we we've been doing it for years, but you know, in in the end it's still you have a Remington. You know, the bolt's still sloppy uh and and uh um you have a large firing pin, you know, you can bush all that stuff, you know, by the time you're done putting all that money into a Remington, you could have had a TL3, you could have had a Defiance, you could have had a Surgeon, you know, and then you have an integral pick rail across the top that we know that that pick rail is perfectly straight because we know a Remington, the two receiver rings very rarely line up and it warps that pick rail on top. Which right? in turn puts torque on your scope. Yeah, which, right. You know, your your all that stress goes right into the most delicate part of our setup, right? Is something that has to to measure in you know thousands of, of an inch. inch. Yeah. You know, and you rely on that thing heavily. You know, it's like this scope tell does everything for me, right? Where even if you're holding over, you know, if that thing has stress in it, it's it's just putting undue stress in, in something you don't need it there. There you go. You know. So but, that's what you're getting when, when you're looking at these custom actions mm -hmm. and stuff. Don't look at the outside. It's about what's going on in the inside, where their tolerances yeah. fall and how their people guys are able to put these barrels to them. And, and like with a Remington, you know, a lot of guys say, hey, well, I'm going to blueprint it. Well, I got a blueprinted Remington. He only charged me 125 bucks to do that. Okay, well, I can tell you most likely for 125 bucks, he dialed the action in and faced the the receiver and that was it you know? <laughs> which really does nothing if you think you about know, it it's like okay well what about those threads you know yeah. the, those threads i can tell you at remington they they use a piloted tap to cut those threads in there so if that pilot is most likely sloppy because it's production so it has to fit in that raceway and a raceway on a remington is anywhere from 700 to seven hundred and eight thousandths. well what, what bushing do you use Right, so basically, you can you can put that piloted tap in there and run it in. Well, generally, it's not very straight. So even if your the face of your receiver is perfectly straight, your threads are your still threads crooked. Are still, Honestly, your threads think, are still crooked. I think that's know? a bit of a scam. That's like throwing spray paint on something where they go and they machine that face and they make it look pretty. And then right. they're, and they're selling it to you for cheap, like you said, hundred yeah. bucks. Oh man, I, and, I and blueprinted. It. Well, when you look at it, it, it looks like he did work. Yeah. And then he lapped the lugs, yeah. you know? Okay, well, you know, lapping the lugs and, and uh, um, face the action, you know, yeah, I mean, that's right. that's pretty simple to do. And those things are important. You can make the threads on your barrel sloppy, loose, mm -hmm. and then the, that straight face on the receiver will help pull that barrel up. But that didn't, you know, Fixed that's, that's kind of right. kind of a Band-Aid. Exactly. You know? That's what I'm getting at. It's a little bit of spray paint, a little Krylon to cover up the mess. Right. So... Like what we do here, it is more. It's two ninety five for us to blueprint a Remington, okay? But I'll go through what we do. So we dial in the action, and we use a coaxial indicator, so we can make sure that the the bolt raceway is straight. So we make sure that that the action front and rear are running true. Right. 
then we go in, face it, we go in, recut the threads. So we open them up, recut the threads, and then re-internal thread them. So they're running basically true Squared to the face. Squared everything, yep. Also cut the locking lugs all at the same time. So the locking lugs, the threads, and the face of that receiver are all machined at the same time, one setup. All straight. All straight to one another, okay? Then we dial in the bolt, and then we do the bolt face. We do the bolt nose at the end of the nose it's like well that's not that big of a deal it's just a clearance thing well if one side of the bolt is three thousandths longer than the other it no we're, we're gonna have clearance there anyways but why not make it the exact same so when you relieve the the barrel for that nose to go into then we have we have exactly you know ten thousands of clearance from the nose to the barrel not seven on one side and eleven on the other Right, so we machine the nose, then we the diameter of the nose, so that we, when we cut the counter bore in the barrel, that it's not rubbing on one side, and we have to open the barrel way up because this thing's way out around. You know, we can hold a tighter tolerance with clearance, but it's tighter tolerances. We do the front of the locking lugs, which again don't really do anything other than you can hold that tighter tolerance with clearance without hurting anything, and then the most important, the back of the locking lugs. You do all those things, it allows us to machine the barrel to a tighter tolerance, but still have clearance for dirt and debris and things to get in there. Right? Mm -hmm. And just being on the refinishing side, um, for for me, uh, a couple years back when we had brought all the Cerakote, Duracote and everything like that and doing those actions, when we finish it, when we put it in Lorenzo's capable hands now and he finishes it, None of the paint, none of nothing is going onto those uh, onto those lugs because they are precision cut. Mm -hmm. Everything yeah. is done. My so we make sure that we don't kind of trash because I got the Cerakote on my lugs on my mousing field and I can't run the bolt. Yeah. I actually have to so we for take a new special one. care to making sure that mm -hmm. that that gun's actually functioning and locking the way it's supposed to. Yep. Um, you're kind of getting into the the services now as far as what we're offering here at mile high so we are offering blueprinting what else what else can we do in our machine shop so um muzzle threads is huge that's why doug, that is that's, that's like why doug 80 percent of yeah right you know doug like i said he, he's not full-time he, he's three days a week but that allows us to basically let um, work build up. He comes in just bam, 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 bam. He knocks them out. And uh, well, because you guys do such a heavy suppressor business too. Yeah, you gotta be you gotta be threaded. You gotta be right on it too, so yeah. you don't get any of the uh, end cap strikes and things like that. Right. So it's key with the suppressor side of things because you you are such a big dealer that you you, you have that that thread right. You yeah. Know? And, and Thunder Beast trusts us a lot. I mean, we we have a good relationship with them, but that didn't come lightly. They weren't like, hey, you guys are good guys. They were just thread all the no, stuff. No, there was a honeymoon period. There, there yeah. was a dating period before oh, yeah, a honeymoon. Yeah. And yeah, it took a little while. Yeah, it's kind of like, well, you know, you guys do all right work. And then it was, I think they would check some of the stuff. Oh, you got you got a mile high gun? Let's check this, you know. <laughs> they, they'd probably never tell us that, but, you know, they... they, uh, well, they they got engineers and machines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have all the tools, you know. <laughs> so uh, now it's it's like they they get calls for muzzle threading. They're like, hey, just send it to Mile High because they they do excellent work. They have all our thread specs, uh, and they send it to NFA standard, perfect oh, concentricity. Yeah. So we 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 check everything with uh, with ring gauges. Okay, that's what a that's what um, if you go to any standard machine shop 
right, they have thread mics on the floor. They're going to check those threads with the thread mic. Then it goes into like a, a quality control room. Then they use a ring gauge and check those threads to make sure that they fall into a certain spec. So we just use we just kind of eliminated the whole thread mic area and we use ring gauges. Now it comes with a price as well because we have to have them sent out and recalibrated and rechecked and make sure that we're not sending barrels out at the wrong size either. Right. You know. Um, but uh, it, it, it allows us to thread a barrel and send it to Maine or send it to California, send it to Alaska, send it to Hawaii, which we have done, you know. And BJ. <laughs> BJ Gambang. Mm-hmm. My man. <laughs> <laughs> right? So that allows us to, to do those things because, like, I'm not, I don't want to pay shipping back from Alaska or Hawaii back to us because our threads are out of spec or it doesn't work. It's not cheap. Stuff. No. No, man. It, 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 <laughs> Especially when you're insuring for the actual rifle. We're going to say it's not just a barrel. It's an entire rifle. So the weight, the cost of the rifle, we're covering all that. You know, we're, we're putting that all together. So it's not a cheap thing. I mean, it, it may turn out to be double what the price of the actual threading is. Yeah. In Alaska easily. and all that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hawaii and Alaska, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. You know, so... Um, Anyway, so that, that allows us to, to keep that quality where we want it. Um, Doug's man. I mean, it, we call him Diamond Doug for a reason. You <laughs> right. know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> when he's done, it, it's perfect. Yeah, and it's right. shiny. It's all crown. It does perfect. look kind of diamondish. When you look at it. Right? Mm-hmm. It like, kind of does. has right. that, that tooth, yeah. that tooth yeah. thing. Yeah. Like yep. from uh, from your boy from Home Alone. Home Alone. I was watching, <laughs> Joe I was, Pesci. Yeah, Joe Pesci. <laughs> yeah. I was watching, uh, or not watching, but I was looking at photos from the class the other day, and you had the Joe Pesci gloves on from when he was like trying to. Yes, the homeless gloves. Yeah, the <laughs> homeless gloves. <laughs> yes. I was like, holy shit, he is a fan. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but you got you guys, yeah. So go in and, and then what barrel jobs yeah, and yeah. stuff, muzzle breaking and all that is. I mean, yeah, it's pretty much soup to nuts with you guys. But. Yeah, man, and that's that's what sets us apart from most precision rifle shops. You know, they have they have the scopes and they have guns there, but being able to modify it and send it back to the guys and it, it's perfect. You know, well, even works. like in, in what some people don't, people come in here all the time. I'm sitting here and it happened to, tonight. I'm waiting for you guys to get off. Guy comes in, buys a trigger for his rifle. You take it right in the back and you swap trigger for the guy. Yeah, he goes, hey, can I, like, I'm not the happiest with this, with trigger A. I bought trigger B. Can you throw this in for me? Well, I'm not going to tell him no, man. I'm like, hey, I, yeah, let me throw it All in the for time you guys quick. are yanking rifles back there and swapping yeah, stuff and, for somebody. And I, I try to handle it if it's quick, you know. It's like, hey, let's let's get this done. Let's knock it out. You know, I don't want to put it in the Connex and call you in three days when it's a trigger like right. that. You know, it took me... It, it took me away from what I was doing, yes, but it was only, what, seven, eight minutes, if you that, know? I yeah. had to take the whole chassis apart, take it out. Jordan didn't even finish telling the story, and it was done. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> you know? But, uh, so, you know, you buy something from us, we're, we're, we want to help you You stand out. behind it. You know? It's I mean, like, you're hey, the LE service center and the LE distributor and all this stuff for a reason. Right. You yeah. know, and that's what we try to do is... is help that guy you know mm-hmm. we're, we're not here to you know Nickel to just try to just try you to build sell relationships. stuff and get you out the door yeah, yeah. you build relationships you know? i think you really broke it down for me the first time that we had this conversation years ago it was i'm going to assume you're going to take my rifle apart after i put it together yeah so i have to make it perfect yeah every time there's no exception to the rule mm-hmm. so it's got it's you're going to make it adam is going to make your rifle 
and then he's going to assume that you're going to pull it apart just to see what he did to it. Yeah, and that, and that that all came back from from school and Speedy Tommy that he's like, man, you just have to assume that these guys are going to look at it and and check you. And you know, we we have a lot of educated customers. We do. You know, they they're extremely educated, man. I learn stuff from them. Precision I, I rifle just, shooters are not stupid. They they are some of the smartest people on this planet. I guarantee it. So mm-hmm. we uh, um, we look at it, you know, it's like, okay, well, make sure that this is done right because when they get it and they think that something doesn't look right, Ray Sanchez for mm-hmm. point, point blank, man. So he has an Accuracy International rifle. We put a 5-25 to Night Force Attacker and a spur on it. We put it an inch and a half high on top of an AX. Okay, It's extremely high. It's 2.8 inches over bore. Okay, when you get that high over bore, it looks like the reticle is canted, right? He went to a trade show. People are looking at it. They're like, "This thing's canted. It's canted." Who mounted your scope? Well, Mile High did. You know, so oh, those guys don't know shit. Yeah, those guys don't know nothing. So Ray comes in. He's like, "You need to fix my scope. Like this is this has to be fixed, right?" And I'm like, "Ray, I mounted that myself. Like I'm I'm pretty sure that that's level, mm-hmm. you know." So I grabbed the gun. He has one of the really right stuff forms on the AX, and I set it right on my scope mounting platform. And I didn't, you know, you look at the spur and it's, it's a little off and I put it on our plumb bob and it's pretty level. And he goes, well, that, you know, I was like, okay. So I pull the scope off. I put it on the badger or in his dead level. I set it all up, put it on the plumb bob and it's perfect. And he goes, hmm, well, put that back on my gun. I'm going to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm out of here. <laughs> it's like, you know, but. Well, Ray's the East that, Coast guy and he's going to tell you straight up. Yeah. yeah. But that, but that's, that's what happens is yeah. we have guys that are very, you know, they, they know exactly what they're talking about and they, mm-hmm. they test the all this stuff. They do, they do tall target tests. And if something doesn't look right, then they're going to tear it apart and make sure that we've done it right. Yeah. You know? And I don't want it to be like, Hey guys, uh, you, you messed this up. You know, I don't want to get that reputation. And, and we strive to make sure that, that, that doesn't happen, right? We mount a ton of scopes around here. I don't know. We I, I bet when we I mount first started, I was five a day. Oh, dude! When I when I first started, I mounted at least seven a week <laughs> until I learned how to do it good. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, now, now I'm good. Mm-hmm. Now, we're yeah, now you can do it with one now, close, now yeah. Jordan can do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's all good stuff. And then yeah. uh, for the just to kind of jump into the AI because I think we got the stock work. You you did all. Yeah, I I, I have a few more things. Sorry, okay, God, no uh, worries. Yeah, uh, I kind of get off on a tangent. We so, do. We're having it's fun. easy, yeah, right? So. Uh, if they don't want to listen you, to it, they'll get, fast forward through You get me around Mike, and I'm just like, man, I just want to talk now. <laughs> so anyways, so we we also, when you're chambering and you guys say you want a 195 in your 28 nozzle, or I want to run a 195 and a 280 Ackley improved, okay? We can do that. You just need to let us know. So Details load, matter. Right. Load that round up the exact way you want it. You want to take the... The boat tail body junction of that bullet and put it 50 thou ahead of the the neck body or neck shoulder junction in your brass so that it, it's exactly where you want it you have a lot of neck tension uh so you're not going to have any issues with it and send me that dummy load well then we'll throw our barrel or your barrel to that dummy load um then that basically it's like custom loading so you already have all your specs set up and then all you have to do is basically be consistent and repeat and it'll right, load, right. Yeah. All you have to do is just go to loading, 
throw it in the barrel and you're good. Yeah. Right? So we, we, we do custom throats as well. Um, we do a ton of different uh, barrel work. You know, if you want it just crowned, if you want it cut back and recrowned or cut back and threaded, you know, it, it's it's standard. If you want to cut a barrel from 26 barrels inches. Tires. Barrels with tires. Barrels with tires, tires, right? <laughs> so if you want to cut it from 26 inches to 16 inches and thread it 5 8 24, it's going to be 150 bucks. Yeah. If you want to cut it from 26 inches to 25 inches, it's going to be 150 bucks, yeah. right? So decide what you want to do. We'll, we'll do anything you want, right? Although, guys, uh, you missed my you missed my my GA precision years when I used to call George up and he and he'd be like, "What do you want this barrel?" And I'd be like, 21 and five eighths inches long." I make up random numbers and right? shit and give it to yeah. him, and he would do it. You know, yeah. but you could do it. You yeah. could do it. And sometimes I wish somebody would because <laughs> you know it's like twenty six or twenty four, sixteen, eighteen, twenty, twenty two, twenty four, twenty six. 21 and three and I, quarter. I, I get I get 27 with 338s, and yeah. it's like, ooh, I got an odd number today. That's awesome. You know? Odd and numbers, everything. man. They work. <laughs> <laughs> right? I shot a 25-inch barrel two years ago just because I wanted to do something different. My norm is 25. You guys did the normal. Yeah. Yeah, that's 25. Um, so also we do uh, – uh, we'll, we'll put tack knobs on, rimming to 700s, uh, tack uh, – Bolt handles. Bolt handles with – uh, a pin, because a lot of times guys will, um, they put that big bolt knob on and they want to hit it real hard. Well, a Remington bolt knob is only soldered in place. It's not machined in place. So you have so much more leverage with that big badger <laughs> knob on there. And guys hit it and it just rips off in their hand and they're like, uh... Tony Burks! What do I do now? Tony yeah. Burks used to rip bolt handles off like they're going yeah, on the side. That's because he's a beast. He's yeah, he is. Ripped, he man. is tough. When, when I get... Older, I want to be in good a shape as he is. Yeah, yeah. He, I, he looks good. I, he's, a, he's a sexy he's a, dude. He's a sexy dude. I he's think if I work dude. out for the next twenty five years, I might get there. Yeah, yeah. Right? So uh, we pin that. So basically, we put a screw through the bolt handle into the bolt body, so it's mechanically locked to the bolt. If you're going to put a tack knob on a seven hundred, I highly recommend it. Um, just because you have so much more leverage and you get in these competitions, you have 90 second part time. Fast. Man, you're adrenaline's up. Oh, yeah. You know, big you, buttons, <laughs> gross motor skills. That's right, man. Caveman. I'm going to run my whole arm into, into that bolt stop and rip everything out of here. So, um, let's see. We also pin weld a lot of muzzle brakes. Tons. So, uh, you, you have a 14 and a half inch AR barrel, you want the, the muzzle brake timed up, pinned, welded in place. Diamond Doug is on the case, man. We can, we'll, we'll time that thing up. He can TIG weld like nobody's business. I mean, he he's he is awesome at TIG welding. So um, we'll do that for you. We've TIG welded bolt handles in place as well. Um, install Seiko extractor if you're blueprinting your 700. Open up the base base screws to 840. Uh, to a bigger screw, so yep. it's a little beefier, especially if you're going to do a short action magnum like a 6.5 SOM or something like that. You, know, you guys you, got 6.5 SOM too. We do, yeah. You tricked yeah, out ones. Couple, I'm, I'm actually doing a PRC, but I was going to do the SOM first, mm -hmm. and you guys had one on the shelf I was grabbing, and I think it's still sitting there. I think we have two of them, actually. We had uh, two of them that we custom built, and it's just kind of like, hey, right. put They're, it on display. You know, what do you guys want to You want to take a look I at actually, it or whatever? I had my name on the one, bullet, but I'm going PRC, and we talked about And the first thing kind of what you said is, is with the TL3 and so I'm torn right now because I'm heading up to Seekins and, and whether I'm going to do a Havoc or a TL3 I mean either or but 
I'm only doing the action. You guys are going to build the PRC for me in in lieu of doing the psalm. Okay. So, but uh, yeah, it's it, it. You know, if you guys want to do that six five psalm and stuff, you guys have been doing those things and doing the mm-hmm. the, the, the speedies and yeah. So, um, the other things, uh, stock work. You know, like putting a M five in. Uh, we do that a lot. Another thing, uh, this M five bottom metal, M5, so you I'm can sorry, M5 so M5 you can load metal, max yeah. and everything. Yeah, we got we have uh, Badger, obviously. I mean, Badger's. He's been using a lot of Hawkins too. Andy Hawkins, Hawkins his, I like his stuff. Out of man, he's out of the springs. He's solid, dude. Uh, yeah, and a shooter. He's he's an excellent. And his shooter. rings are nice too. Very I'm digging shooter. on his rings. I keep going to grab a set. I have to say. Every time I've shot against Andy Hawkins, I've beat him. Oh, just, just saying, oh it's on. You never shots come, fired. You, shots fired. You never come up north. I'm just saying. They're scared. Anyways, they're scared. So, uh, I'm gonna get so many phone calls after this. <laughs> like, get put Adam on the phone. Right. I get a text about 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. I kind of lost my point, man. I was too busy taking my 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 Your poker digs. Andy. Yeah, yeah. Stocks. So, we're up to stocks. Uh, yeah. So we we've done EFRs as well. So you have a fiberglass stock like yeah. a. Um, uh, Your operators fuck the with T6A. Right. Yeah. So that's so, your embedded front rail. Yeah, your embedded front rail. So you can put night vision and stuff on it. A lot of guys like to use it to jam into uh, barricades, barricades stuff. things like that. Um, we and then their bags too. They're putting their bags over that so they're not on the barrel. Right. Right. So there's so it's there's not a, messing with your harmonics. You're not doing a harmonic thing. So they use that front rail instead of night vision. That's where their strap goes. Yeah. Uh, and then of course skim bed and pillar bed. Uh, we pillar bed a lot of stocks. Mm-hmm. You know we got to you got to get those big aluminum pillars inside of that stock. So when you pull it down, especially with I believe silver. we get those from Andy too, don't we? We started uh, yeah, to. Yeah. The, all the. Well, that comes with your bottom metal, mm-hmm. so your your aluminum pillar comes with that, um, <clears throat> and you just got to make sure they're the right height. Every stock is slightly it's, different. It's slightly different, man. So when you you get a uh, McMillan or a, uh, so don't Manners do the tacticalrifles.net where they don't cut the action screws and they only do like thirty five inch pounds because if they do any more, it'll go through the bottom the bottom of the action. Yeah. So you're actually t- truing and timing and making sure it fits so you can put the proper torque value right. on the rifle. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you're not hanging on by the the three quarters of the first thread <laughs> and you you torque it just a little bit more and it rips the end of the head or end of the screw off inside of your action. Yeah. And it's, you guys are doing it right. Yeah. So. Um, we do that. I, I recommend skim bed and a lot of different things. You know, if it's like the HS precision stocks, things like that. They have a bed. One question that did come in um, do you guys, and I've had some done, but do you guys do chassis bedding, even a front pad or something small? Uh, we, we can, we have. Um, you know, without a special request, you're not real. Right, yeah. I mean, these chassis, this today, this day and age, I mean, they're so good. Mm-hmm. You know, if you are seeing an issue with it, then you're like, hey, I, I, you know, my screws keep loosening up in my chassis, or, or this happens, or that happens. Um, yeah, we'll we'll bet it for you. And, yeah, and set it's it a in, little pad bed, right? It, yeah. So I, what we'll do is the the recoil lug area, yep. the front receiver ring, and then the tang, just to make sure that there's no stress. Because we just added material at the front of the receiver, okay. we want to make sure that the back is is supported as well, yeah. the same way. Yeah, that question came in via Sniper's Hide for you to okay. ask about chassis yeah. bedding. So yeah, and, and it's it's not a problem at all. Uh, um, 
it's it's pretty easy to yeah, do. Yeah, we've we, done we, it in the past. I've it, seen you guys do yeah, it. Yeah, we, we we blast that the anodizing or the paint or whatever off so that that, that epoxy adheres really good because we don't want to just chip out and fall off and mm-hmm. that type of deal. Took your action out of the chassis and all of a sudden my bedding fell out. You know, so, so, we, you know, we, we, we bead blast it and everything and then bed it up and yeah, it's real easy to do. So cool. Um, and, and a lot of guys, I want to kind of throw this out there as well is with, with, uh, with chassis, you know, a lot of it is like, Hey, this is drop in ready. Sometimes they're not, you know, so give us a call if you have any questions and we'll, we'll answer. Especially if the action itself isn't straight too. Right, you know, there, there's there's a lot. The variables are like you know mm-hmm. more yeah. fingers and toes than you have for these guys right. to and, look at. So it's not a one size fits right. all. And sometimes just like a trigger, man. So um, a Timney fits until you put it on safe because the pin comes out the side and jams in the side of the chassis. Well, I didn't expect that pin to move another hundred twenty five thousands out of the side of the trigger. It fit with the on fire, but when you put it on safe, now it wants it puts undue stress and everything, and that there's scratches and stuff in there, and it just you, you you need to to basically fit that chassis sometimes to the trigger you're using. A lot of these new actions have trigger hangers. You kind of have to fit that to that chassis. Yeah, because it's going to sit a little bit lower too now, on the on the hanger. Yeah, well, it still sets at the same height because you have to have that sear to the same height for the cocking piece and that action. Oh, grab, yeah, yeah. grab a hold of the sear. But there's more stuff in but, there that but the there's action, more below that, the receiver. Yeah, below right. the receiver that the uh, chassis isn't hogged out for. Right. Yep. That hanger is not, or that chassis is not meant for that hanger. Mm-hmm. You know, they were just thinking, well, all you're going to do is slick a little Remington 700 trigger in there, and now we have so many options mm-hmm. that there's not that space. Yeah. So, so that's that, I've seen that a bunch. Yep, and then kind of last thing we we kind of touched on a little bit. We do Cerakote as well, um, and I, unfortunately, I just had to turn another guy away today. You know, I was like, "Hey, can I get this done? That done? This done?" Unfortunately, no. Right now, we're not doing just walk-in traffic. We're we're Cerakoting our own guns that we we are building because that keeps us plenty busy. And and right now, Lorenzo, he's handling all the paint, which he's a disciple of Mike. Mike trained Lorenzo up. He still asks Mike. Mike comes in the back and says, A little consulting from now now and again, you know. Consulting. Mm -hmm. They they feed me a breakfast burrito, man. I'll sit back there and give him a lesson for about a half hour, 45 minutes. Cool. Yeah, man. So it it works out really good. Like I said, again, it's kind of teamwork, but... um, we're gonna end, yeah. We're gonna end up doing a part two with you because we wanted to talk reloading because you're you're the reloading guru in the mm-hmm. shop here. So we're gonna wrap up this kind of gunsmith. And so if there's any kind of final thoughts you want to give on the gunsmith side, what people might want to look for, but we're gonna have you for another part two so we can do some follow up. Yeah, we'll sure. wrap around because there's still a couple questions I had too just yep. about that section. Mm-hmm. But when you're like, we're gonna say you're off the streets, right? You're not a gunsmith. What are you looking for? What do you need to be looking for in a gunsmith when you're hired? From your point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even when you're like and then we'll go into the hiring thing, but like yeah. what what are these guys looking for in a gunsmith? Right. So, the biggest thing is is pedigree, right? So, what has that gunsmith done? What you know, like it's very easy to put out, "Hey, I'm in northern Colorado or I'm in southern 
you know, Utah, whatever, Utah, yeah, whatever right. you know, here's where I'm at. Is there any guys around here? And then you get a list of guys, right, that have come up. And it's like, okay, start Googling those guys, man. Pull them up. Are they shooters? One, you know, I, I, th- I think the shooter makes the bigger difference. When you look at yourself and what you guys are doing here, we, we talked about Fritz and all that. And even going back in the day, I mean, that's sort of that George Gardner standard with stuff. He was a shooter first. And then the gunsmith after, you guys are in that same vein. You're a shooter. Mm-hmm. You're out there every month in the match up there in, Nor- in uh, Pawnee. And so you're, you're taking that shooter experience. We always talk about that with Thunder Beast. Yep. Those guys are shooters. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and, and to me, that is a big pedigree. Yeah. Uh, I, that's what I, I like to see that a lot. I like to see um, those guys shooting. And then, and then it comes down to eating your own dog food at that mm-hmm. point, right? You know, you know, if you're putting something out, you better be ready to chew on it. Yeah, right. You Good, know. Yeah, great. You, yeah, exactly. Um, another thing is, 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 is he in the realm that you are looking for? Just like we talked about earlier, um, I know a lot of really good bench rest guys. You know, but do they shoot the tactical world? They could, they could probably build a gun better than anybody. He, in the United States, right? But if it doesn't function and work in that environment, why do you want him building you that gun? Right. He may he doesn't understand that environment, you know, so it's like, okay, well, let's let's look at for somebody else that that is does in this, this space. It's, it's you know, PRS is completely different than than F class. Yes. Right? F class I we've been saying it for years. It's belly bench rest, right? It, it, you have the same equipment. It's it's front rest. Everything is is dialed in. Yeah, you're just laying and, down. Right. It it's all. I mean, it's it's awesome. All the technology that we get in this game and other shooting disciplines comes from bench rest, F class, uh, those types of competitions where they're pushing the envelope, where they can see, hey, if I take this six BR and I actually improve it, and then I'm. I'm consistently getting three inch groups, 600 yards all day long, no questions asked, or you know, or, or better. They, those guys are crazy at 600 yards. You know, mm-hmm. they're, yeah, shoot, they're, shoot, they're, they're and, shooting, they're shooting one inch yeah. and smaller at 600 yards. But um, you know, we get a lot of that technology from the bench rest and F class world. You know, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that F class gunsmith should build tactical rifles. Yeah, it's and the I'm same sure, language, just a different dialect. And I'm sure I, I, I'll offend some people, you know, some guns. No, well, I, I can build a tactical rifle. I understand that you can't, you know, but what I'm saying is when you're looking for that guy, generally it's like, hey, this guy does PRS stuff. This guy does F-class. If I was going to go out and shoot F-class, I would make sure that I had F-class stuff, right? So that that's, that's yeah. those are the big stay things. Stay in our lanes. I kind of like, I try to stay exactly. in my lane. Stay yeah. in your lane you know, a bit. You know, and, and, and I think that matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what else are you looking for? for? Yeah, and then... Uh, what are you looking for when you hire a gunsmith? They, it, it's also the person. You know, like if, if that guy can, can explain things to you, I, I like to ask why a lot. Well, why are we doing it this way? Why, why do you want it that way? Right, so if they can kind of spend a little time with you and explain to you, and if you don't understand and you ask the same question four times, and finally that guy explains it four different ways and finally gets through to you, that's that's awesome, you know. Like it, it's it's hard to find those guys because there's other guys kind of like Frank. It's like 
listen, I'm tired of talking to you about this, <laughs> right? You know, it's like, and Mike's like, no, no, listen. Uh, and he tried it four or five different Let's ways. Let's try this and, branch. And got, mm-hmm. and got Let's through, try this branch. Right, and got through, right? So and, It's and like a choose-your-own-adventure. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. You know, so uh, I, that's, that's another thing. I just want to whack them like. wholesale. <laughs> Get out of my way. Bigfoot's done. God, I love when you say that. That is my favorite saying. Whack them wholesale, Whack them wholesale. I'm putting that on a shirt. That's mob shit back home. Yeah. Fucking 19 bodies off Bond's dock. Whack them wholesale. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go looking for that stuff. Now they already drug them out. They're gone. Cool. All right, yeah. guys. Hey, man, we wrapped up with Adam in part one. We're going to have part two for you, uh, and, and that'll come out a day and a half or so after. But thank you for listening. Thanks for Adam for taking the time and not being home with thank his family. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be like a part three, four, five. Yeah, six we'll have Adam in a bunch because he's right yeah. here. But, you know, we, we, we got to keep the guys after hours. I can't come in like I'm my banker son hours where I stroll out of bed at 10. I roll <laughs> in here, got my slippers on. These guys are all working. And I'm like, hey, can't we play now? And they're like, no, we got a job, well, no, dude. No, we got to work until this time. And then we can play with Frank. <laughs> I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> well, I'll just sit here and eat my sandwich. Yeah, where's my new girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. You're listening to the Everyday Sniper, Frank from Sniper Side and Mike from Mile High Shooting, and also Adam Rehor is joining us today. And we're gonna have a part two coming up for you. Thanks. Cheers. Cool.